This is Valerie Bertinelli, and you're listening to Beyond the Plate with Cappy. It's that common denominator of, you know, not appreciating what you have when you have it, and then thinking that, well, if I just lose 10 pounds, 20 pounds, 30 pounds, I'll be happy. And that's not true. It's just not true. Season three of Beyond the Plate is presented by Martin's Famous Potato Rolls. Hey everyone, this is Kathy and you're listening to Beyond the Plate, a podcast where I sit down with the world's culinary elite to explore their journey with food and their passion for giving back. Every episode, we share inspiring stories of what it means to be in today's hospitality industry. This season, we welcome a group of celebrities that have a connection to the world of food. Whether they host a food show, have a cookbook, or simply give back through food, we're excited to have them join us on Beyond the Plate. A big thank you to last season and again this season partner, formerly Iolate by Flavor Gallery and now called Beyond the Plate Tees. They supply all of our signature hats and t-shirts to our Beyond the Plate guests. After teasing this merchandise during season two, it is now available to all of you. Check out beyondtheplatepodcast.com and click on apparel to get yours. Okay, back to it. For this episode, we sat with Valerie Bertinelli. Such a nice conversation with her. She has had a big appreciation for food long before her acting days, her early acting days. We talk about that. We talk about the relationship with food all the way from when she was growing up with her family to today. She was married to Eddie Van Halen and has a son named Wolfgang that we talk a lot about, which is quite interesting. And my favorite part, we talk a lot about giving back and she gets passionate and basically angry about it, which I love about the whole notion of giving back and kids and hunger in America. And you're going to hear a lot more about that, which I didn't know what to expect going into, but I loved her passion for it. Anyhow, the more formal stuff. Valerie Bertinelli is a Golden Globe award-winning actress and best-selling author. At 14, she played Barbara Cooper on One Day at a Time. That series ran for nine years. She starred in TV hit sitcom Hot in Cleveland. She's had Valerie's Home Cooking on Food Network for eight seasons. She's currently co-hosting Kids Baking Championship alongside Duff Goldman. And she's set to host a new series on Food Network called Family Food Showdown. She has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. She authored New York Times number one bestseller called Losing It and inspired millions of people to try to become their best and healthiest selves which we talk a lot about. And then in 2009, she wrote a follow-up to her first book, which is called Finding It and Satisfying My Hunger for Life Without Opening the Fridge. In October of 2012, she released a cookbook called One Dish at a Time. In October 2017, she released another cookbook called Valerie's Home Cooking, which was number one on Amazon for celebrity cookbooks. And she says her best and favorite production is her son. Wolfgang that I mentioned earlier, who achieved his own fame as the bassist for legendary rock group Van Halen on its 2007-2008 North American tour. Valerie lives in Los Angeles with her husband, Tom. I'm going to stop there, but please enjoy this conversation as we go beyond the plate with Valerie Bertinelli. Hi, 
how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Very well, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to talk. I greely appreciate it. So last time we were going to talk, you were you're LA based, but you were actually in New York. And I was going to ask you this question about New York, and then I was going to take it away. And I'm like, no, I still want to know because you are probably in New York often. Do you have a favorite spot in New York that you can't miss, like food wise, when you're there? Oh, you know, I don't. What I Usually, I mean, I used to, I used to like have to go to Il Molino or have to go to Il Cantonore. Yeah. But now, I mean, I maybe La Conda Verde, but I kind of call my girlfriend, Kate Crater, and I say, okay, where are we eating? Because yeah. she, you know, she knows the best. In fact, Joe and I went out there recently and we just, Kate just made all the reservations and we went to a bunch of amazing places, none of which I can remember the name of. That's so funny. I saw that via social media because Kate is actually a friend of mine as well. Oh, I love her so much. She's, She's incredible. So cool. She's the yeah. best. She's the best. So how do you feel? Uh, obviously, New York has amazing food, but there's a lot happening in the LA area now. How do you feel about the food in LA versus New York? Like, is there a big I love, difference? I especially enjoy the food in the Valley because I live in the San Fernando Valley and it's gotten better and better and better. And now that Ludo has brought his restaurant, yes. Petit Bois here, it's heaven. In fact, my girlfriend is there more often than I am. And because I'll just say, hey, meet me at Petit Bois. She goes, oh, I was just there last night. I'm like, stop doing that to me. <laughs> I can't get over there as often as you can. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> and Ludo came over to watch um, some football because Chrissy was out of town. I told him, do not bring wine. I don't need any more wine. Our wine cellar is overflowing. So he brought over, he knows how much I love his dressings. So he brought over two bottles of his dressing. He freshly made it for me. That's brilliant. I love him so much. I love that. <laughs> okay, so you're active on Instagram and I and I saw you just posted an incredible throwback picture of yourself. Can you please describe this? Oh God. I I I my um a friend of mine will show me these pictures he finds online and I'm like, Are you kidding me? Where do you find this? I have to post this. That was taken, I believe, for an Us magazine shoot in 1980. Oh, I want to say 1980. Nice. Maybe 79. And it was by a staff photographer at CBS. And we were just fooling around one time after when we had to do some official photos for CBS. And then um, we both said, well, let's just take some for me. And then they ended up being, you know, Us Magazine bottom or whatever. I don't know. I, that might have been how it happened. I don't remember much from the 80s. <laughs> Who is that woman then versus versus the Val now? Well, that woman then was a 20-year-old child or a 19-year-old child. So who knows? I, it's like a whole other lifetime. I don't know if you feel the same way about, you know, you think about anything that you did a couple decades ago. I mean, this is more than a couple decades ago for me, but I, it feels like a whole other lifetime ago or a whole other life, a whole other book in my life that I've moved on to not just a new chapter, but a whole new book in the book. Yeah. You know what I mean? My wife and I had newborn twins four months ago. Congratulations. Thank no you. Sleep, right? <laughs> no, so yeah, so you're talking about decades ago. I'm like, wait, what about like two days ago? Because I don't really remember. <laughs> okay, so I want to talk a little bit about growing up and family and, the, and food. Have you always had a connection to food? Always. Even before I was acting, my grandmother, I would go over to my Aunt Adeline's house. My grandmother would be cooking in Adeline's basement and she was making bread or gnocchi or capoletti. And she knew that my favorite, absolute favorite soup was the capoletti ombrullo. So she would make that for me especially. And I, I, to this day, it still feels like I was the only one down there. I probably wasn't. Maybe the other kids and cousins were up around playing outside, but I wanted to watch Noni. 
And then when she would make bread, she would, you know, well, she would make the capoletti and brodo and she would, you know, do that beautiful little thing that you do with your thumbs when you're making the capoletti. And she looked like an artist doing it every single time. I don't, I have an appreciation for it now that I wish I'd had back then. I just knew I was going to get a tasty soup. So she would make it fresh, pop it in the boiling water for not long at all. And no, I'm sorry. And then pop it into some broth that she had and then wait for it, the pasta to soften. And it was just so delicious. You were born in Delaware, right? I was. This was in Delaware. This was in Delaware. Okay. Mm -hmm. Got it. I feel like you've lived all over. I I see Michigan, Louisiana, Oklahoma, California. But did moving around to all these different places um, influence your relationship with food? I think it did. Yeah, especially when I'm Louisiana. That's where I started learning about crawfish and gumbo. And I mean, I used to make a, a turkey tetrazzini after Thanksgiving because I wanted to use up all my turkey. But after Louisiana, I'm like, oh, hell no. Now it's gumbo. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's nothing better than gumbo the day after um, Thanksgiving. So, so yeah, it really does. Now, I wasn't in Oklahoma City very long. So, I mean, I was just there. I think we were there for six months. I was 15. So that didn't really sink in too much. I remember being a beautiful state, but other than that, I don't remember much about the food. Yeah. Was there like family dinners? What was a family table like? It was my mom constantly cooking. She, especially when we moved away, I would just remember her making our lunches in the morning and then making us breakfast while she made the lunches or she would make the lunches the night before. And then when we came home, you know, we were to do our homework and then go out and play and she'd call us back and, or we'd come back by the time the sun goes down and there was a fresh meal. I mean, it was either risotto with, uh, unfortunately she would put liver and um, gizzard. She would use, you know, if she had roasted chicken the night before, then she would make risotto the next day because she used all the neck and the gizzards and all that stuff to put into the risotto. And I would always eat around it because the tomato sauce and the risotto was great, but I didn't like the liver and the giblets and the gizzards and stuff like that. And so your mom, she's a mentor of yours in the kitchen? She actually is. And I don't know that I've ever given my mom enough credit because now I'm in awe of what she did. She had four kids, never had a microwave and cooked, you know, three meals a day, every single day, cleaned the house, did everything. I, she, she was really kind of amazing. What was the first thing you ever remember her cooking in the kitchen? Uh, I, lasagna comes to mind. And now granted, my mom is English Irish. And my grandmother, my nonny, did not want my father marrying her, did not like it at all. And I think, I don't know that my my mom has ever said this, but I think my mom wanting to learn how to cook from nonny is probably what drew them closer together. Because in the end, I mean, I never knew that my nonny didn't like my mom because they were always tight and my nonny was always over. But I I think my mom might have smartly used that and said, will you teach me to cook? I'm going to have to ask her now because I can think that's the only reason because my mom was an amazing Italian cook. So she had to learn it from somewhere. She certainly didn't learn it in Jersey from her dad. (laughs) Do you remember the first thing you made with her? It was probably lasagna. Now she bugs me all the time saying that I don't make the lasagna correctly because I use a bechamel, I use a bechamel because I just like the flavor of that better than ricotta. And um, she's like, you, it's not lasagna if there's not ricotta in it. I'm like, okay, mom. <laughs> Are there any dishes that you still remember that you kind of use today or riff off today? Yeah, she used to have this 10-inch like pizza pan, but it was it had a, like a very small lip on it. 
And she used to make this. She said she got it as a special with something. Because I can't, I tried to find one. You can't find them anywhere. And now you can find like a, a tart pan that's 10 inch, but not this particular pan that my mom had. And um, she used to make this really thin kind of like pizza cherry cheesecake. So she would say she's serving us pizza and then she would serve us this cherry cheesecake. And it was so delicious, like ridiculous because it was, I mean, it was the cherries that came out of the can because they were so good. The way there's something about canned cherry, you know, filling that is just so delicious. Some things you just don't need to recreate. You can just use the can. So do you try to make that or you can't because it's still I did. I tried. I, she doesn't remember her recipe and she couldn't find it for me. So I just came up with my own and I, I couldn't find a 10 inch crust. So I used a tart pan. So it's like my, you know, cherry tart. I think it's in one of my books. I think it might be in the new book. I'm not sure. All right. Well, you have a son, Wolfgang, Wolfie, with musician Eddie Van Halen, and your Instagram handle is Wolfie's Mom, which I love. How do you think Wolfie would answer the question, what's it like being Valerie's son? Oh, I don't know. I'd be too afraid to, because the one (laughs) thing my son really learned is sarcasm as he was growing up. Uh, So he would definitely be sarcastic about it. I've had him on my show a few times, and he is... Yeah, very sarcastic, but he's got a great sense of humor. So I just let a lot of it roll off my back. And I don't, I don't know. I don't, I I think the answer would change on whether he knew I was listening or not listening. Mm. I mean, I, I know he loves me as much as I love him. There's no doubt in my mind about that. We're, we're, we were very, very tight. Now I'm letting, I mean, he's, you know, going to be 28. So he definitely has his own life. He's got his, you know, a new record coming out and he's, you know, an amazing musician. And I'm not just saying that because I'm prejudiced and I'm his mom. He really is phenomenal. He plays everything on it. He wrote everything on it. He sings everything on it. It's just remarkable. And he is incredibly gifted. And if you don't trust me, trust an amazing musician by the name of Edward Van Halen, he will tell you the same. (laughs) (laughs) I I trust you on all accounts. (laughs) So what do you love most about being a mom? It changes. The stage you're at right now is super fun because you're all getting to learn about each other. And the I'm sure the love in your heart must just be swelled over. Like you don't know how your heart is actually fitting inside your chest. It's so big and with so much love for these babies, right? You got it. So, and then it kind of changes. I mean, the, the love always stays there, but it changes. It's, it's, it turns into respect. It turns into gratitude. It turns into humor. It's, um, I love hanging out with him. I'll go over to his house just so that we can play video games together. Cause we started bonding over video games by the time he was three years old. So I'm one of those moms that I don't give him a hard time about the video games. I dig it. And now you're married to Tom, who's like the nicest, kindest man that I've met. He's a sweet pie. He yeah. is. Does he cook? He's a great cook. Yeah, he's a really, really great cook. I've stolen some recipes from him. I just did some. I just did something on the show the other day that was. It's his espresso rub steak, and it is. I I, I did um, a no no. My culinary producer is a little upset with me because after I finished it and that it was rested, I was afraid that I overcooked it. But the thermometer wasn't reading it correctly. So I once we shut down and it was cut, I sliced it open after it rested, and because I, I wanted and it was cooked perfectly because Tom showed me how to touch it with your finger to make sure that, you know, and you can see whether it's jiggly or whether it's just firmed up or whether it's too firm. I was afraid that it was too firm. However, it was perfect. And because I had already sliced into it, 
some of the crew members were there smelling it the entire time I was sautéing it and, and searing it. So I said, oh, here, you want a bite? And within, I, I don't know how many seconds, 30, 45, the steak was gone. It was a two-pound steak. It was gone. And it, every single one of them, I'm going to come making that tonight. That is the most made steak I've ever tasted in my life and blah, blah. And it, it truly is. And I stole it and I put it in my cookbook and it's called Tom's Espresso Ribeye. Amazing. I got to, I'm going to look into that for sure. It's, it's so delicious. It's my mouth is watering just thinking about it right now. What was the first meal you cooked for him? Do you remember that? I do. It was at my, um, my brother's house, Pat and Stacy with his wife, Stacy. And we had just met, I think the night before or the whatever. And they live in Arizona. And at that time, Tom lived in Arizona. And we were just making a bunch of hors d'oeuvres. I made this crostini. All it was super simple crostini with garlic rubbed bread, you know, a sliced Italian or sourdough loaf, whatever you want. A little slice of mozzarella and then a slice of prosciutto just rolled up or, you know, laid ribbon wise. And then you heat that under the broiler until it all comes to melt. And then you put a fresh basil leaf on top. And so... I made that and he started helping me. Yeah, that's the first thing. I'm just thinking, I haven't made that in a long time and I really loved it. <laughs> Bringing it back. But super simple, you know, one of those really simple hors d'oeuvres that you can make while you're all hanging out. Yeah, absolutely. Those are the best. I love taking like two or three ingredients, whatever it is. And people are like, what is this? And I'm like, it's only yeah. this, this and this. They're like, oh, I could do that. Because isn't it always about how good the ingredients are? I mean, Ina Garten is a genius, not only because she writes the best recipes, but um, because every single one of her recipes that I've made always comes out exactly the way she says it's going to. But she's right. Yep. This, the simplest, most beautiful ingredients is what's going to make your dish good. Absolutely. You wrote two books on weight loss and you never mm -hmm. really shied away from the topic. So in 2008, there was a book called Losing It and Gaining My Life Back One Pound at a Time. And then there's a follow-up in 2009, correct me if I'm wrong, called Finding It and Satisfying My Hunger for Life Without Opening the Fridge. So mm -hmm. my question, if you were to complete the trifecta today and write the third, what would the final piece of the trilogy be called? Hmm. I was going to say that was who I was then. <laughs> yeah. Because, God, your life changes. My life has changed so dramatically. Every decade feels a little bit different. I mean, I feel like the 90s were just about me being a mom. And the, the aughts were about me being a single woman and a single mother. And then the 2010s was about me, wow, finally taking the weight off and thinking it was going to be that way forever. And then... <laughs> finding out it doesn't, it's not that easy. <laughs> if you don't take care of your emotional life and what's going on and what's happened to you your entire life, those ghosts will come back and bite you in the butt. So now I guess my journey is quieting the ghosts. Nice. So that I can, so that I can really live this life that I'm really enjoying. But I find myself having depression sometimes and just being sad for no particular reason, except that I'm not where I thought I was going to be weight-wise. And I, I'm not going to let my weight run my life anymore. I just, I, it's just so shallow. But, it, but it's also so understandable because it's something that almost every one of us go through. It's that common denominator of you know, not appreciating what you have when you have it and then thinking that, well, if I just lose 10 pounds, 20 pounds, 30 pounds, I'll be happy. And that's not true. It's just not true.
you'll be thinner and you'll be able to fit in more clothes in your closet, but it doesn't necessarily make you happy. I agree. So what's changed in the last 11 years? Dealing with my depressive little episodes and having an amazing therapist and having couples therapy and not blaming my husband for, for whatever I'm going through and, and vice versa. And knowing that my body doesn't define me, it's what's inside. And what I'd love for one day, and I'm, you know, my goal is that, is for my body to look like my mind and my heart feels. I love that. And I think your body really does express who you are, where you are at that moment. But the problem with weight gain is that when you start feeling coming out of that, that gray cloud or, or you start appreciating yourself more and honoring yourself more, it still takes time for the weight to come off to, to look how you're feeling. So that's where I'm, that's my journey I'm on right now. I want to look the way I feel. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. Your, so your food network show switching slightly, switching gears. Um, how did your food network show Valerie's home cooking come about? I wrote my first cookbook in 2012. My manager knows how badly I wanted to visit Italy back, you know, way back then. 2012? When was it? No. Oh, I don't even know. Anyway, he said, before I went to Italy, he said, why don't you, or after I went, oh God, time goes by and you don't <laughs> even remember when and how it happened. I guess it doesn't matter because, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not under oath. <laughs> so, um, before or after I went to Italy, he said, I think we could sell a show to Food Network. You know, they do these travel shows, and I think it'd be great for you to go and find your heritage and, you know, see where all of this came from, because you always talk about your nanny and your mom, and why not go find it? And I thought, that's a great idea. So we went to Food Network, and they said, no, thanks. We don't want to do a travel cooking show, but would you like to do an ITK, which is an In the Kitchen? And I said, you mean those 30-minute shows that are in the morning that I watch all the time and I have on my television all the time? <laughs> I mean, I, I told Rachel that I used to record 30-minute meals really? because she always made it look so damn easy. And she was right because yeah. she knows how to write a recipe too. Yeah. I mean, food cooking does not have to be challenging or, or you, you just need to use your imagination. By the way, did you hear it's coming back? So yeah, so. <laughs> I can't tell you how excited I am for 30 minute meals. So excited. I saw that and I just, my heart flipped. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I just love watching her cook. I said, heck yeah, I'll do it. So, um, it took us a few years to put it together. And then I think I, I mean, I'm in my ninth season right now, but seasons are so different. That's not nine years. I've, I think I've been on since the four years or I don't know how many years. And I started doing, and before my, in, in the kitchen came on, they offered this baking thing with Duff Goldman. And I had previously met Duff and I enjoy his company a lot. And I said, Oh God, with kids and baking, that sounds like a blast. Sure. I'll do it. And now it's like this little phenomenon that, you know, comes on twice a year now. That's airing right now, right? It's airing right now. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. And I mean, I, and I, I kind of try to avoid it. I don't watch the show because I don't feel like crying all over again. Those but are I tough, will def- those kids shows. I, no, I can't look. And I, I kind of know who's being eliminated because, well, first of all, the fans on Twitter let me know that it was really wrong of me to eliminate somebody. And I'm like, I, I, I know this has been the best lesson on how there is no way to please everyone at all, oh, ever. 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 You know, we did so. a couple kids shows and it was like, I, I don't, honestly, I don't think I've ever seen Rachel as stressed as she was during those kids shows. It's yeah. hard. 
Because there's a, there's a there's a fine line between um, giving them constructive criticism and them thinking they're never going to bake again. And I don't ever want any child not to think they should never bake again. So it's really, really hard to give someone constructive criticism and also eliminate them at the same time. This is why I have Duff do the elimination. <laughs> I was just going to say, who does that? Yeah, yeah who, and I, he hates me for it. <laughs> <laughs> He's good. He's good, though. Mm-hmm. When you received the In the Kitchen show from Food Network, were you ever concerned people were going to be like, what makes Valerie an expert in the kitchen? Or were you just like, Absolutely. No. Yeah. Because I'm not an expert in the kitchen. I only know what I know, and I, I can only share what I know. And I hope it's interesting enough that people will want to tune in and learn from me what I do know. And I think it's been helpful. I, my main goal is to make cooking look easy. I'm not a trained chef. I'm a cook that's been cooking since I was a, a young kid, just playing in the kitchen with my mom or my noni. And then beyond, beyond that, you know, I moved out on my own when I was 18 or 19 and just cooking for myself and learning what I liked and learning how to cook and, you know, recipes that I had learned through, you know, my parents and through my mom and then through people that I met and then through my mother-in-law, Mrs. Van Halen, learning all these amazing Indonesian dishes and how she made coffee and she made the best coffee ever. Like, how did you do that? And just learning. And, and then all the thing I learned, all the things I learned, I like to then pass on to people. Nothing should be a secret. Agreed. Okay. So if you're hosting the ultimate dinner party at your home, who's getting a seat at your table? Oh my God. <laughs> I hate this question because I always say the stupidest people because I mean, it'll show you how shallow I am. I can't wait to hear. <laughs> No, but, and then it also, it's just so silly because (laughs) it's the thing that everyone always says they want to talk to Jesus. I'm like, and he was a real guy. So I would, I'm just like, really like to pick his brain and say, dude, if you're going to come back, can you come back and tell all these people that they're doing it wrong? That this isn't what you meant by Christianity? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, he was for the little guy. He was, he was just. Uh, anyway, um, sorry, I'm not getting political or religious, but I would love to talk to Jesus and say, please do something about these people that follow you. So what are you cooking for him then? I'd have to find out what he likes first. <laughs> We're getting and deep here. I have no idea what <laughs> Jesus would like to eat. <laughs> because the thing I, when I do invite people over, Jesus, are you listening? Um, I do like to find out what it is. I mean, I don't want to cook anything that if they're a vegetarian or a vegan, I don't want to make a, you know, the coffee rub steak. So I, you know, I would like to know a little bit about who's coming over before they do. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Okay. So I want to switch topics to social impact and giving back because a big part of this podcast, we do these like chefy chef seasons. And I love to share stories um, about what these chefs do to give back because I think they're more than what they put on a plate. And I don't think enough people that go into these restaurants understand how giving they are, but they really, you know what? Thank you. Because they really don't. Every chef that I know works for no kid hungry or I mean, anything that will feed people, which by the way, it shouldn't, be so difficult to feed the people in our country. Thank you. Or even the people of the world. I mean, if you want to just focus on our country, there shouldn't be places like Blessings in a Backpack, which is an amazing organization. No, I've been giving to for a few years. They are the people that put backpacks in kids' hands 
so that they can go home and their whole family can have something to eat over the weekend. And why we are cutting back on, on food programs in school is unforgivable. I mean, this is where some children, that's the only meal that they're going to get. How can so many people be so, I'm not going to swear on your podcast. You can. So cruel to think that these are, what do they call them? Entitlements? That's not an entitlement to make sure somebody has a full belly. How do you learn without a full belly? I, I get so crazy. I mean, the way I grew up in school, there was breakfast there. Gratefully, I didn't need it. My mom made everything. But there was breakfast and there was lunch and they were hot meals and all the kids got fed. Why are we not doing this? Why is not every school full of nice, warm meals for these children, breakfast and lunch? So Blessings in a Backpack is one of my favorite organizations because they make sure that these kids get fed. But we shouldn't be, it shouldn't be up to organizations. It's, this is just something we should be doing instead of giving tax breaks to the top zero, one, one 1%, whatever they are, when they can afford. Um, I don't want to get off on this. I'm just, I'm starting to get so angry right now. No, I appreciate that because I, I do a lot of the philanthropic work with Rachel, with groups like Feeding America, who execute a lot of the things you're talking about, as well as I'm on the leadership council for Share Our Strength, No Kid Hungry. So the work that they do to... Uh, get food in people's hands. Like you're saying, these kids are going to school. And like you said, sometimes the only two meals that they have that day. Exactly right. Literally the only meal. Like most of these people that don't like entitlements, I hate, and they're not entitlements for Christ's sake. A meal shouldn't be an entitlement. It's just a natural thing that people are supposed to eat. And, And this is one of the richest countries in the world. And how we can't feed all of our children is, is beyond, uh, cruel, cruel. Yeah. I loved you going off on that incredible tangent because like I said, I do this with chefs and they thank me for giving them the platform to talk about it because they don't get to. And I think on the, you know, quote unquote celebrity side, you hear about things, but they don't always get the opportunity to share their passion as you just showed for social impact. Are there, you mentioned blessings in a backpack, which just to reiterate for people, kids and families in need, it sends them home with a backpack full of food so they can eat over the weekend. And then they Mm -hmm. bring the backpack back to the school, you know, on the Monday. Mm -hmm. Are there other organizations or foundations? I know you've done a ton of philanthropic work. um, Other organizations you support or in why do they matter to you? Clearly, what you just spoke about is amazing, but are there, are there other ones as well? There, there was an organization that I was working with a few years back, and unfortunately, it's no longer in existence. But what it did is it worked with kids that were aging out of foster care. This is another group of children that nobody pays attention to and nobody listens to. And these are, these are people that, that you just give them one little tiny leg up and, and they can change the world too. Um, just because someone is living in poverty doesn't mean they can't change the world. Poverty isn't something that someone elects to, do, to you know, be a part of, and we, they shouldn't be punished for being a part of that. So I think if we could pay attention to a lot of the children that are aging out, because in, by the time they're 18, they are no longer given any help, anything by, the, by any state, any government. And I don't know if you remember what you were like when you were 18, but I thought I could live on my own, but I also had, was working from the time I was 12. So I had money saved up. A lot of these, you know, kids don't have all of that and they don't have parents that are helping them. I'd actually be interested in finding another organization that does help children 
with aging out of foster care because it's not their fault. I am going to keep my eyes and ears open because Thank I feel you. like, yeah, no, for real, that's incredible. And the passion you that you show. It's a whole forgotten part of our community, our, our foster children aging out. Yeah, absolutely. It was, was there a moment that changed when you decided to give back how you give back? I want to give back more. I, I find I get paralyzed sometimes, though, because I, I get this magazine called The Week, and in the very back of the magazine, it has its charity that they think it needs to be elevated for that week. And that's how I found Blessings in a Backpack. I get kind of, yeah, I, I don't know what to do anymore because there's so many people that need so much. And I don't believe smaller government is helping us because our government isn't smaller and it's not helping us. It's just giving more money to the rich and leaving the rest behind. Okay. Lightening things up, switching gears, winding it down Thank a little you. bit. <laughs> Let's do a fun little speed round. Maybe oh, I've got six questions. They're pretty, in, pretty easy. What did you have for dinner last night? Um, I didn't have dinner last night because I ate too much on my show when I was filming. So I was done eating by 4.30 when I was um, finished on the show. And what I made on the show was a pishi pasta Yum. with a carbonara sauce and tiramisu and just a nice uh, mistikanza salad. I love that pasta from Tuscany. Yes, you knew. Popular yes, in the Montalcino area there. And it's so easy and fun to make. You don't need a pasta maker. You just need your two hands. It's super fun to make. So good. But I kept calling it, uh, during the show, I kept calling it pishi or peachy. So, it, you know. Again, I'll get raked over the coals because I never pronounce anything correctly. Of course. You're never going to satisfy everybody, ever. No, no. Yeah. Name a smell in the kitchen you love. Uh, grapefruit. Ooh, interesting. I have a bunch of, um, I keep all of my citrus out on my table so I can just grab it whenever I want it. I like that. I like that. Name a smell in the kitchen you hate. A fish. I love fish. I just don't like the way it smells three hours later. Yeah. <laughs> Last dish you cooked that you screwed up or you weren't too happy with. It happens so often. <laughs> I'm always making mistakes, but that's how you learn. You know what? I'm going to take that question back because that's how I am too. Everyone's like, what's the last thing you made that you loved? And I was like, I never really love, like I love things I cook, but I feel like when I cook, I could always tweak it to make it a little better. Exactly. You know? Yeah. What's the most requested recipe by your husband? Um, well, the one I'm going to make tonight right now, because he says, don't, you know, don't get on my hopes up and then you don't end up making it. Because I, I tell him when I'm, when I'm working, I really don't want to cook. But uh, I really okay. want to make this a rollatini because it's really delicious. Got it. And do you have a food guilty pleasure? Pizza. I just freaking love pizza. I love all kinds of pizza. I love, I love, love pizza. Do you have a favorite pizza place in L.A.? Oh, Or in New LA? York or yes. anywhere. In L.A., well, in LA, in L.A. I love Moza. And I love in Phoenix, I love uh, Pizza Bianco. God. And in New York? Are you I don't think like I, in New York? Are you a fan of like the slices or the whole pie? I do. I love yeah, them. Those are the love best. Love them. Yeah. There's nothing like that. But I also love a good, you know, brick, you know, oven, yeah. pizza oven, that high 800, 900 degree where it gets black on the bottom. And I love, love, love that. Yeah, I agree. So if you're stuck on a deserted island, what celebrity chef are you taking with you? Oh, my God. Uh, well, well, could I have more than just him there or her there? I mean, because I want to share them with people. Sure. Oh, God. I think it would have to be Ludo Lefebvre and his wife, Chrissy, 
because first of all, I enjoy their company so much. And um, he makes a mean fried chicken. Wait, I had it when he had the truck. Does he? Yeah. He, right? He mean had a, fried chicken. Yeah. It's just beyond good. Okay. In closing, uh, I, I have a note here to ask you about your new Instagram handle. <laughs> Wolfie's meow. <laughs> yes. Come on. I, I'm following Don't. it now. Are you really? Of course okay, I am. I'm, I I'm a... just slowly getting it up. I'm trying to find going back all through all my cat stuff. I'm going to have to come up with something for Luna at some point too. I have but a the, the... I have a cat at home, so oh, okay. My wife so my wife rescued it. My boys it. just crack me up, and I just think they're funny. And I'm just going to start putting up videos of them because otherwise, listen. When if you look and see who I follow on my Instagram, it's usually it's cats and chefs. And I think makeup is like, I love this one woman who does these nail, this nail art. I can sit and watch someone paint their nails way too long. It's, it's terrible. But I think sometimes, I think the reason I do this is because I get concentrating on recipes too much, or I get concentrating on how everything's going and how I'm going to do the show and what I have to do in the show that sometimes I just need to brain fart. Sure. And, I, sure. and that's what Pokemon is good for me, too. I just like to play Pokemon, collect a few Pokemons, and then I'm like, I, I've brain farted enough. Now I can get back to work. Hilarious. I love it. All right. What's next in the wonderful world of food for Valerie Bertinelli? Did I hear, wait, hold on. Did I hear you are or were growing grapes for wine on your property? Yeah, we make our own wine. This is, this is Tom's baby. Okay. He's in charge of it all. He actually got um, Peter to draw the lab- label up, Peter Stugard, which is Joe Stugard's husband. If anybody knows from My Last Bite, Joe, she's now low-carb Joe, and she's so – I love what she's doing with her low-carb stuff. But, yeah, this we have about 200-some-odd vines in our backyard um, on a hill in Studio City, <laughs> and Tom makes his own wine. How fun is that? Yeah, it's actually getting really, really good. The first year – wasn't so good, um, but this, and the second, but it's really actually getting good. And then we've been using some other grapes that we mix it with, and that's even getting better. Very cool. So he has named his wine after his cat, Batman. And um, maybe I'll start putting some on the Wolfie's Meow so people can see what we drink. But we don't sell it. It's just really for us and our friends. Yeah. Can I find the label somewhere? Where would the label be? I don't know. I'll have to post one. I think I might have posted one. I'll have to post one soon. All right. Cool. What else? So TV shows on right now. Kids Baking is on right now. And then I'll go back and do a new season of Kids Baking in May. And I'm doing Valerie's Home Cooking right now. Hopefully we'll have enough to last us through the year. I have a new show called Family Food Showdown on Food Network coming on March 3rd. It premieres. Really fun show. Families vie against each other for $10,000 in um, three rounds. And it gets pretty intense. It's a lot of fun to watch. The families are so amazing. Again, the only thing I hate about it is watching some of these families have to, you know, not make it because they're all so good. But we have great chefs joining us. We have the, both Botalgios. Antonia uh, Lafaso comes on. I love Antonia. I've got quite a few people. Molly Ye did a few. Clinton. We've got some fun people coming on and, and judging. And so I'm, I'm just grateful I don't have to judge. I can just enjoy the families and enjoy the judges and just tell everybody where to go and what to do. Yeah, I'm going to check that one out for sure. It'll be fun. Closing here, what advice would you give to a young Val Bertinelli? You mean a young me or young someone who wants to act or wants to be in the business? Or a young you, actual me? A young actual you. 
truly, dear girl, do not sweat the small stuff. And don't listen to the negative voices in your head. Thank you, Val. I appreciate your time. Thank you. It was fun. Quote, and you're getting two of them this time. First one, and why we are cutting back on food programs in schools is unforgivable. This is the only meal that some children are going to get. Next quote, this is one of the richest countries in the world. And how we can't feed all of our children is beyond cruel. Thanks again to Valerie Bertinelli. Please find more on her at ValerieBertinelli.com. Join us next week when Beyond the Plate presents Just the Plate, a short segment where our guests describe a dish or a recipe that is meaningful to them. Val shares her recipe for zucchini rollatini, one of her current go-to recipes. You can find me and keep up to date with this podcast across all social media platforms at On Cappy's Plate or go to beyondtheplatepodcast.com. Beyond the Plate is on Twitter at BT Plate Podcast and Facebook. Season three of Beyond the Plate is made possible with the help of our friends at Martin's Famous Potato Rolls. Martin's Potato Rolls are the number one branded hamburger bun in America. And as I like to say, they can make almost any burger taste better. And you probably heard me teasing Martin's at a work event that I had coming up and they were a hit. We probably served over 5,000 portions of food all on Martin's Potato Rolls at an annual event I do with work during South by Southwest in Austin. Martin's believes in giving back to their community. They support hundreds of charitable organizations such as food banks, after-school programs, disaster relief, and others. To learn more about Martin's, visit their website at potatorolls.com or follow them on social media at Potato Rolls. Martin's, we thank you. This episode was produced by myself along with Ian Cohen, Joe Yeaton, and Sean Petrosian. Thanks to Andrew Glad. Our music has been composed by Goldford. Find him at iGoldford. As always, a special shout out to my wife, Katie. Please rate, review, and or subscribe to this podcast on your listening site of choice. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Plate. I'm Cappy. And remember, there are never too many cooks in the kitchen.